150 years ago, tall grass prairie and oak savanna covered much of southern Wisconsin. Agriculture and urban development has wiped most of these intricate ecological communities off the landscape. On Sunday, November 19th, I joined a small group of folks learning how to start rebuilding some of that ecosystem. Here's Jeff Steele from the Friends of Urban Nature outing. My name is Jeff Steele. Um, uh, I went to school for restoration ecology. Um, involved with Friends of Urban Nature, in this case, uh, involved with Friends of Circle of the Creek, a former co-chair, just a board member now. Um, so we do various different restoration projects along the creek. This is one of them here at Legacy Park. Uh, in Circle of the Woods, north of, north of Aberg Avenue, in that woods back there. I don't know, it's west of Carpenter Ridgeway Park, if anybody's been back there, but we've been working for about seven, eight years back there, removing buckthorn, honeysuckle, um, and in its place, uh, putting native plants and seeds, so trying to restore that area. And the results have been spectacular. So in the summertime, lots of wildflowers, lots of wildlife. I encourage you to check it out west of Carpenter uh, Ridgeway Park there. And that's on city engineering land. And you know they've been very supportive of the work that we've done. Yeah, that's kind of the history of it. Uh, there's some nannyberry shrubs planted along the stop sign there. Hope is to kind of eventually um, kind of enclose this in native plants so it feels less like you're at an intersection and more like you're in a more wild part of Madison as well. So it's a slow process, but um, city engineering is very supportive of the work we do here. So hoping to eventually kind of expand this area into a half moon that kind of connects with the rain garden over there. And then the shrubs will grow in nicely and kind of uh, you know, prevent a lot of the, the car traffic from being so noticeable. Uh, just 150 years ago, tall grass prairies covered millions of acres of the Midwest um, for 15,000 years. And um, today, less than 1% remains, actually far less than 1% uh, remains, uh, the majority of which has been destroyed, been destroyed only in the last 50 years. So the need for restoring native plants uh, in this region, especially the Midwest, is very strong. Um, there's a remnant prairie, a restored prairie, and a restructured prairie. A remnant prairie is a prairie that has never been plowed, never been altered, maybe grazed lightly by cattle, um, but they're extremely rare and they're extremely valuable because these are essentially seed banks uh, left over of specific genotypes of plants. Unfortunately, a lot of the remnants that are remaining are on very dry, or we call xeric soil. Um, and who, who can guess why the best prairies remaining are on dry soil? Does anybody have an uh, idea about why that would be? Because you couldn't plant corn. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, there was not very tillable land uh, on sand and, and, and rocky soil. So the farmers just kind of plowed around uh, some of the, the sandy prairies. And that's what we really have left. Um, if you notice, all the prairies I listed are usually on mounds. And that's because the, uh, the farmers uh, kind of plowed around those areas as well. So a restored prairie is when you find an area that was once tall grass prairie and restore it to what it once was. Um, and there's many ways we can do that and that's a whole class in itself about restore, restoring tall grass prairies. Um, and there's a restructured prairie and a restructured prairie is putting a prairie somewhere where it wasn't originally but it's still creating habitat um, for plants and animals. Native plants are smart. Native plants know that if they fall to the ground or their seeds fall to the ground and start to germinate, frost will kill them immediately. So what does the plant do? It has a built-in dormancy mechanism. It knows it has to go through a cycle of what's called cold moist stratification. So it goes through that cycle of cold moist stratification, which is essentially a Wisconsin winter, a wet cold cycle, and then it knows to germinate in spring when the season's right for it. 
there's germination code A, germination code C, basically germination code whatever letter. And these letters correspond to what conditions need to be met in order for that seed to germinate. So for some species, it's not just enough for them to fall to the ground and germinate. For some species, they have to, they, they might have a waxy coat on the outside of them, and that waxy coat has to break down, or it has to be burned by fire, part of the fire ecosystem of tall grass prairies. So each seed, each plant has its own conditions that need to be met in order for them to germinate. The next thing I'm talking about is ethical seed collecting. Um, and there, there are certain, you don't want to strip an area of its native seeds. You know, you want to borrow a little bit. If you think about what the native plant wants, the native plant wants to expand its range. So you're actually doing it a favor and it likes that. But if you take all the seed of one species from an area, the chance that that plant is going to propagate is very unlikely. So um, ethical seed collecting from a given population, never take more than 50% of seed from a strong perennial plant or 10% from an annual. Okay. Uh, so my favorite part, now I'm going to talk about removing seeds. Um, so I'm going to go over to this table here. And I have over here a bunch of different uh, paper bags uh, full of seeds that I've collected. And I'm going to demonstrate uh, two of the species right here in front of me about how to collect them. So right now we have uh, yellow coneflower. Is anybody familiar with this flower? It's one of the longest blooming native plants we have in Wisconsin. It tends to start blooming in June. It can go into September, even October sometimes if it's lucky. Uh, this is the prairie in seed right here. Uh, it usually has yellow petals extending down that blow very nicely in the breeze. Um, un unlocking this seed from the, the cone uh, is the fun part. Um, so I usually, when a seed collector always carries a piece of tag board or something. It's, it's a really good way to see the seeds and to show people. If you want to gather around, you can a little bit as well. And if you just take your fingers on this, and kind of pull it apart, you notice all these seeds pop off. And the seeds are these long cylindrical things right here on a coneflower. Some seeds are very fun and easy to collect. If you ever um, go to a seed collecting work day, I encourage you to go to one where they're collecting grass seeds, like Indian grass. It's really fun and easy. They're really soft. You stick your fingers and kind of pull up the stem. Uh, opposed to something like a uh, rattlesnake master, which is basically a mini hedgehog and it's extremely <laughs> difficult to get out. <laughs> Some plants are very tricky. Some plants are very smart with their seed distributions. Uh, the jewelweed, actually when it's ready to, and also violets do this as well, the seed mechanism uh, will dry and as it dries more and more and more, it kind of ramps back like a catapult. And then when it dries so much, it snaps and flings the seed up to 20 feet. So that's why Wisconsin State Flower, the violet, is actually catapulting seeds every year. How on earth do you collect a seed like that? Uh, what I like to do is uh, you can buy these. And I don't know what these are called besides little mesh bags. I've seen them at weddings before with like little you know trinkets you can bring with. Uh, you can take one of these and put it around the flower head. Um, unfortunately, nothing can pollinate it then. Um, but Try to know the, the, the life cycle of the plant and to put it at the end of the life cycle when it's kind of drying out a little bit. And then they just fling right into this and then you can collect them that way. Uh, some seeds like, um, like purple coneflower, very spiky, very spiny. Uh, it takes a long time to take those seeds out. Uh, you have to kind of pry them out individually. 
But what if you want to collect seed from a hundred of them? You know, are you going to spend all day doing that? No, no, that's, that's, that's way too much time. Um, we're smarter than that. We can find solutions to it. What I do is I take a grocery bag, I throw in, you know, a hundred seed heads of these spiky seeds and I just stomp it, you know, stomp the heck out of it and they all break apart. You know, that's a fun, easy way to do it. And fun for kids too. Kids love doing that. Um, and uh, I do have some uh, utility knives. Uh, if you are in any way not comfortable using a utility knife, do not use it. Like, do not hurt yourself. I am happy to do it for you. Uh, unless you're absolutely comfortable, like, using it, uh, do not use it, please. Do not hurt yourself today. No like, No, no, this We're is a no shot. blood park here. <laughs> <laughs> I will take a utility knife here and right now I want to cut around about halfway through around the whole thing but leave um, a kind of an opening or non-cut part by the handle here um, that way it's kind of like a pac-man thing where you can open it and close it so what I usually do is I will slowly cut it in a fine motion like this you can use the scissors if you want as well um, scissors are usually safer uh, but I like to use this because it's a little bit faster. So when you're you're done, it should look something like this. And that took a few seconds like that. You also want to create some drainage holes in the bottom. Uh, sometimes people use drills, sometimes you can use a hammer and nail. Uh, I usually just take the utility knife and kind of score a couple marks on the bottom. Um, just three or four, just so some of the water can drain out if necessary, and that's sufficient right there. There's some birds eating some seeds off plants over oh, there yeah. right now. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the benefits of having plants, so you get wildlife. You know, I, I've led classes before and people come to me and say, you know, I love native plants, but there's all these insects always eating my plants. What do I do about that? I'm like, that's kind of the point. You know, like we want to restore these ecosystems. These are native. These are supposedly native bugs in this area that are using that and that's part of the point is that these plants are the foundation of our ecosystems. Uh, each of these plants has insect that relies on it and birds use that insect and so on and so forth. So, Alicia Steele, hey, <laughs> and um, I'm here to learn more about propagating nat native plants. We're uh, recreating a woodland native prairie area in our yard and um, I want to I've bought plants and gotten plants from neighbors but I want to learn about collecting my own seeds and propagating plants on my own so what are you uh, gonna be working on here today today I think I'm gonna plant some anise hyssop seeds in this little um, greenhouse made out of a plastic bottle and then I'm gonna have those outside all winter and then hopefully in spring I'll have some little anise hyssop popping up in here that I can plant. And, and why do you like anise hyssop? That's actually a native that I don't have in my yard yet and it's good for pollinators. It's a little purple flower I believe and I think that would go really well in my yard. What got you interested in native plants to begin with? I really like going out into nature and then coming back home, I started to plant more and more wild things in my yard and my yard started to become this sanctuary where I see dragonflies now and the birds and all the bugs that I have in my yard with butterflies and everything. It's got a lot more life and more activity and so now it's my own little sanctuary right around my house. <laughs> you know, I actually saw... Um a sign for it on the bike path okay. yeah. and we're interested in planting um, some more prairie plants and yeah. so we thought and we've heard about the the milk jug 
process, so we thought we would come and check it out. And why do you like prairie plants? Um, I like prairie plants because they're so pretty, and um, I just love growing flowers. And yeah. What kind of flowers do you have in your yard now? Um, I have snapdragons, um, and then I also had some coneflowers and other ones too. And what are you working on here? Um, here I'm doing the royal catch fly. What does that flower look like? Do you know, or is that going to be a surprise? I think it's going to be a surprise. I heard it's red, but I don't know what it's going to look like. So. Okay, and that's the one that attracts hummingbirds, right? Yeah, I love hummingbirds. You have a lot of hummingbirds in your yard now? Um, we had a few. Um, we did have a hummingbird um, feeder, and I really liked looking at the hummingbirds. Oh, great. Awesome. And if you wouldn't mind telling me your name? Leanne Stevenson. And yours? Charlotte Stevenson. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Those were sounds and participants in the Friends of Urban Nature Seed Propagation Workshop that took place on Sunday, November 19th, 2023.